1: 221, we are here in the final hour of the program today. Uh, I'm going to try to cram a lot into this segment. We're going to cover a lot of ground. If you remember, uh, in the early days of this program... Uh, on Fridays, towards the end of the show, we would do uh, that segment. We never quite landed on a name for it, but it was something along the lines of a cutting room floor. We would gather up uh, all of the topics that we had not had time to get to during the week and uh, and just kind of go through them. Rapid fire, offer a little bit of commentary, uh, ask your thoughts, and then move on quickly. I'm going to try to do that here over the next uh, eight minutes we have before the newscast shows up. Uh, i got a number of topics I want to touch on. The, the first one is... Is uh, something something pretty new, and it's coming from Texas and learning that Mississippi is about to uh, do the same thing, and that is uh, a move by the governors of those respective states to fully lift mask mandates. Also, uh, fully lifting uh, any uh, any prohibition on or any limitation on the seating capacity of restaurants. Essentially, going back to uh, the way things were uh if we could hold on just one quick second uh this is a little behind the scenes stuff uh amber i'm seeing that uh that president biden is giving a brief update uh from the the white house could you do me a favor see if we can get access to that and give me a whisper in the ear when we do and we'll just dip in and see what he has to say about the, the vaccine effort you ready? Uh, go, go ahead and bring it up. This is from the White House. President Biden giving an update on the COVID vaccine effort. We'll get back to Texas in just a moment.
0: Shots administered in my first 100 days in office. We've got halfway to that goal in 37 days, and I feel confident we'll make it all the way. As I and as I've said, uh, we have a long way to go. But, you know, as I said from the outset, we're going to use every resource of the federal government to make it happen. Among the things I learned when I came into office was that Johnson & Johnson was behind in manufacturing and production. While we had had the potential of another highly effective vaccine to accompany the two existing vaccines, it simply wasn't coming fast enough. So my team team has been hard at work to accelerate that effort. As uh, I've always said, this is a wartime effort. And every action has been on the table, including putting together breakthrough approaches. And today, we're announcing a major step forward. Two of the largest healthcare and pharmaceutical companies in the world that are usually competitors are working together on the vaccine. Johnson & Johnson and Merck will work together to expand the production of Johnson & Johnson's vaccine. This is the type of collaboration between companies we saw in World War II, We also invoked the Defense Production Act to equip two Merck facilities to the standards necessary to safely manufacture the J&J vaccine. And with the urging and assistance of my administration, Johnson & Johnson is also taking additional new actions to safely accelerate vaccine production. Johnson & Johnson's vaccine manufacturing facilities will now begin to operate 24-7, In addition, we'll continue to use the Defense Production Act to expedite critical materials in vaccine production, such as equipment, machinery, and supplies. I've also asked the Department of Defense to provide daily logistical support to strengthen Johnson & Johnson's efforts. And I want to thank Johnson & Johnson and Merck for stepping up and being good corporate citizens during this national crisis. Here's what all this means. We're now on track to have enough vaccine supply for every adult in America by the end of May. Let me say that again. When we came into office, the prior administration had contracted for not nearly enough vaccine to cover adults in America. We rectified that. About three weeks ago, we were able to say that we'll have enough vaccine supply for adults by the end of July. I'm pleased to announce today, as a consequence of the stepped-up process that I've ordered and just outlined, this country will have enough vaccine supply, I'll say it again, for every adult in America by the end of May. By the end of May. That's progress, important progress. But it's not enough to have the vaccine supply. We need vaccinators, people to put the shots in people's arms, millions of Americans' arms. To date, we brought back retired doctors and nurses. We've developed, we deployed more than 1,500 federal medical personnel, usually seen during national disasters, from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, and the Commissioned Health Corps at the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Defense Department, including the National Guard, with thousands more to come. We're also increasing the places where people can get vaccinated. We've sent a millions of vaccines to over 7,000 pharmacies to make it easier for folks to get their COVID-19 vaccine shot like they would their flu shot. The federal government is also working with states to set up hundreds of mass vaccination centers in places like stadiums, community centers, parking lots that vaccinate thousands of people per day. My wife, Jill, and I just visited one in Houston last week. It's incredible. And with this increased production of three safe and effective vaccines, we have an opportunity to help address the urgent national need more quickly and getting our schools back open safely. Right now, an entire generation of young people is on the brink of being set back a year or more in their learning. You can ask millions of parents. They understand. We're already seeing rising mental health concerns due in part to isolation. Educational disparities that have always existed grow wider each day that our schools remain closed and remote learning isn't the same for every
1: student. We'll step away from the r- remarks being delivered by President Biden here uh, from the White House uh, live. We have learned a lot. Uh, over the past four minutes, uh, some you know, set politics aside here for a second. Let me walk through some of these announcements. Uh, number one, there will be a partnership between Johnson & Johnson and Merck to produce uh, additional uh, doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. President Biden pointed out that these two companies are traditionally uh, competitors, Right. <clears throat> Seeking to carve out for themselves uh, the the share of the market when it comes to similar products, uh, something that he points out, uh, a partnership that is unseen since uh, World War II. He also pointed out uh, that the Defense Production Act is being called upon to uh, get two Merck sites uh, involved in the production of this Johnson and Johnson vaccine. That that's interesting. And uh, earlier. In 2020, when we were first getting into uh, concerns about ventilator shortages, you remember you and I spent a lot of time combing through the history of the Defense Production Act. Very simply, it is the ability for the federal government to force action upon a, uh, a company or force action by a company. In the name of national defense, uh, and it appears, as was just announced, that it's being called upon now and that there was also uh, a few conversations between the administration and Johnson & Johnson moving their production to a more round-the-clock schedule. Okay, those are logistics. Now for the good stuff. Number one, the president says that his goal of injecting 100 million Americans during the first 100 days of administration uh, says that that goal is well within reach. Additionally. With this new Merck and Johnson & Johnson partnership, plus Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna, that we are on our way to having a a dose, having a vaccine available for every single adult American by the end of May. Every single adult American by the end of May. He later points out that being able to produce all of these vaccines is not sufficient, that there is still a great need when it comes to people uh, actually doing the injections. So if you are, you know, someone of that skill set, find uh, an opportunity uh, to lend it to those who need it. Uh, you can find opportunities by making your way over to coronavirus.utah.gov or reaching out to your local health jurisdiction. Uh, but the, the next need at least as uh, assessed by the president, is that we're going to need people to inject uh, these vaccines. The vaccines that he predicts will be available to every adult American by the end of May. Huh. Outstanding stuff. Uh, Quick, quick break. When we return, uh, I want to talk to you about Read Across America Day. Read Across America Day 2021. I want to get some book suggestions from you as well. That's all next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back. Excuse me, we're into the final half hour of today's episode of Live Mike. And if you are a fan of literature and reading, uh, you know that today is uh, a special day. March 2nd is the birthday of Dr. Seuss. And for many, many years, uh, in conjunction with uh, the NEA, that union, the Dr. Seuss uh, State, I think they call themselves Dr. Seuss Enterprises, yeah, uh, they've had a, a partnership which has lasted many years, uh, and well, it turns out <clears throat> that that partnership ended uh, a few years ago. I, I was unaware of this. Uh, I, I did learn it uh, just about. Actually, it was exactly a year ago today. Uh, we had a special broadcast that focused on uh, this important day, Read Across America Day. And uh, during the course of that broadcast, you have conversations off air. And I, there was a, someone, I'll say, uh, spoke to me during the break and said, oh, yeah, you know, we uh, uh, there's not. It's the the NEA is no longer affiliated with Dr. Seuss Enterprises in this venture of promoting Read Across America Day. It turns out that uh, some of what Dr. Seuss uh, has written during his life was uh, not that savory, and for that matter, we're distancing ourselves. Well, today, on this year's Read Across America Day, the Dr. Seuss Enterprise has up to the ante, so Dr. Seuss Enterprises is uh, essentially the organization, the estate maybe who uh, has the, the, you know, the right and the copyrights and all that the privileges to uh, produce and distribute Dr. Seuss content. I, w- I want to read you uh, their statement, but, but then I'm going to say uh, there's really little reason to dwell too much on this. Okay, Uh, we'll get to that in a a moment, but let me share with you uh, the meat and potatoes here of the story and then we'll get into my takeaways. So, again, this from Dr. Seuss Enterprises, this is the organization which handles uh, the assets of Dr. Seuss, the, the printing and all. It says today on Dr. Seuss's birthday, Dr. Seuss Enterprises celebrates reading and also our mission of supporting all children and families with messages of hope, inspiration, inclusion and friendship. We are committed to action. To that end, Dr. Seuss Enterprises, working with panel of experts, including educators, reviewed our catalog of titles and made the decision last year to cease publication and licensing of the following titles. Number one, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. If I Ran the Zoo, McElligot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzer. These books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Ceasing sales of these books is a commitment to our broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss Enterprise's catalog represents and supports all communities and families. Did you catch that list? I'll admit I only recognized and to think that I saw Mulberry Street, and I don't remember anything about that book. Uh, I haven't read it since I was probably I don't know six seven, uh, and then the rest of them I just I just don't recognize uh, if if I ran the zoo I don't remember that one Megallex pool I don't know Ambiance zebra I don't know scrambled egg super and the cat's Quizzer. I haven't I don't remember any of those uh, but there you have it that coming from uh, you know the, the organization that owns all those titles no longer in the publication or sale uh, of those of those texts and well. I. How do I put this? I've been worked up through most of the show, right? The wealth tax got me all worked up. Uh, Earmarks got me all worked up. Uh, This uh, uh, the stimulus plan and its contribution to the uh, the federal deficit that got me all worked up. And if I'm honest, I expected to ran rave about this. Dr. Seuss stuff. Yeah, I sat down with uh, producer Frank this morning, worked out a whole plan about how I was going to uh, talk about cancel culture and how this is just uh, you know, a group of individuals looking for things to cancel and to, uh, to criticize and looking for fault in places uh, you know, we haven't before looked and where is it going to stop. I'm going to set that all aside and say the truth is I really just end up being sad. Sad that on this day, Read Across America Day, that instead of celebrating literature and the great, wonderful escape that comes from reading, the great, wonderful knowledge that you can glean from books, instead, instead, uh, you know, folks in the, in the media and these organizations here uh, and in politics have somehow turned this precious day uh, into something political, something that divides. Well, uh, I'm going to set aside all my own outrage. And what we're going to do on Read Across America Day for the remainder of today's program is celebrate reading. All right. And you can read whatever book you want. You, you can read all of these Dr. Seuss books. You can read the Roald Dahl books. Uh, you can read. I, I recently learned that uh, uh, Curious George uh, rub some folks the wrong way. You read whatever you want. So let's set aside the canceling. Let's set aside all the controversy. Let's set aside what's been dug up from decades past, and let's talk about reading, huh? Let's talk about reading. Uh, I, I remember it was it was a year ago that I told this story about the very first chapter book that I ever read on my own. Yeah, it was the the Boxcar Children. I I wasn't a big reader. My mom had read me some books, and I enjoyed those stories, hearing her read them. But I had never, till this point in my life, I was maybe. Uh, I don't know, six or seven years old, I had never sat down and read something on my own. I had certainly uh, never read a chapter book, and I had absolutely never read a chapter book under a flashlight uh, in the into the wee hours of the morning. Well, uh, one day, yeah, I, was, I was a little more rambunctious than other days, to the point where Mom said, Hey, uh, listen, a little Lee, she called me Lee B. Uh, Lee B. Lou, time for you to uh, head upstairs, a little bit of time out for you. All right, you got to calm down. And uh, here I want you to read a book while you're up there. And she handed me the the first boxcar children book, and it was probably six or seven. Uh, sun was just going down as I was sent up to my room, and uh, I, I laid there for a minute until the sun was gone, reading. And then I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm into this. Mom yells up, "Is a weekend? I could stay up a little later." She says, "You can come on down now." And I said, "I'm I'm good, Mom. I'm reading." I grabbed a flashlight, I held it up, and I stayed uh, right there. I think I read all night. And that's when I got excited about reading because I was on that boxcar. I was feeling the stresses of those kids. I was feeling uh, the, the pride and the protective nature of, uh, you know, of the oldest child as he looked out for his, the, the youngsters he was responsible for. And here's the thing. I haven't uh, cracked that book open since that night, some 30 years ago. And yet I remember to this day how it made me feel. And that's a special thing. And that's what this day is hopefully uh, going to spark in the minds of people young and old throughout this country on this day. And so here we go. I'm going to take a break right now. But when we return, uh, you and I are going to trade book recommendations. Okay, that's all we're doing for the remainder of this program. I want to hear your book recommendations. What are you reading to your children? What did you read to them when they were young? What are you reading? What's on your nightstand right now? Let's talk about books. Give me a call. 801 575 8255. 801 KSL Talk is the number. Give me your book recommendations next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela.
1: They said, you need to.